entirely pre-recorded from Whitestone, Queens, here in the Garage of Solitude. I'm Mario Francisco Robles. And from Long Island, New York, in the Office of Justice, I'm Brett Miro, and this is episode 173 of the Fanboy Podcast. And this is a special one, ladies and gentlemen, because this is an episode of the show where you get to drive the conversation. Yes, this is the Ask the Fanboys edition of the podcast for this month, just in time for the holidays. Yes, we're dropping this right before Christmas weekend, give you something to uh, listen to and some things to look forward to and maybe a thing or two to be pissed off about as you get yourself through (laughs) this holiday weekend. Lord knows I found quite a few things to be pissed off about this week, but we'll get into all that in a little bit. Also, this for for this to, to make this a little more festive, and put a little bit of a spin on this holiday episode. Brett and I have both brought a drink with us to the recording. And uh, while I'm having a nice whiskey drink in my uh, Mandalorian uh, tumbler here, uh, Brett, hey, what are you drinking over there? So I have um, an Irish whiskey called Method and Madness. It's a chestnut cask finish. Um, so it is actually an Irish whiskey. Uh, that has uh, matured in <laughs> sherry and bourbon casks, and then they did a finish in a chestnut uh, wood cask, and it's uh, yeah. got a very unique character. Um, and this, I really enjoy this. This is the wrong podcast for that, right? I, this is what I get for asking a guy who works in the booze industry and does tastings every week uh, mm-hmm. what he's drinking. Yeah, I'm just having some whiskey with a, a Woodford Reserve rye. Oh, okay. With a splash of apple cider. See, I was thinking about a, a hot apple, oh. uh, like a hot toddy. Hot toddy. But, but I didn't warm it up. So it, it's just a cold toddy here it's a in cold my cold toddy. garage. But uh, yes. So, um, all right. Before we get into some topics, why, why don't you tell me uh, if you've been watching or playing anything, if you're fanboying over anything this week? Been fanboying over a, a few things. things. Yeah. So, um, if you're interested, you can check my Twitter, but I did post a big thread about Sonic Frontiers um, just to go a little more in depth of that. So I would That's say check that out on Twitter at yeah. SuperBreckCon. I beat the game and I said, you know what? I have some thoughts. Uh, so I won't say I'm here. I talked about it enough last week. Go check out my my, my little thread there. Um, I started playing uh, Tales of Mana, which is a remake Um like a 3D like re remake like remake yeah it's a remake it's built from the ground up in 3D graphics of Saiken that uh Saiken no that was it Saiken Detsuin 3 it came out in Japan it's the sequel to Secret of Mana which is like a pretty beloved uh RPG on the SNES there was like basically there were two sequels and I think uh both of those came out in Japan so they actually brought one here it's called Trials of Mana and it's a big 3D remake it came out a few years ago on PS4 I just recently picked it up because it was part of my PS Plus collection. Started playing that. Um, really cool. Um, so far, you know, old school JRPG, but nice, uh, nice uh, quality of life improvements. Um, I also checked out, um, if you have Xbox Game Pass, uh, there's a new game on there called, I think it's called Chained Memories, I think is the name of the game. And it's also like, um, it's a new game, but it's like an homage to the old JRPGs of yore on the SNES. So I think like Chrono Trigger, Secrets of Mana, um, you know, Xenogears, like some of those uh, older like JRPG titles. And apparently it's made by one guy and he did everything, like the music, like everything. And uh, I played like a little bit of it, but it's pretty cool. It's a turn-based combat system, but they added a neat little element in there where every time you do an action, 
it kind of raises this meter, this bar that you have for the whole team. And it kind of puts you in like what they call like an overdrive mode. But basically you can almost like overheat. So you you really want to try to keep that bar based on the actions you're doing in this like sweet spot because you do more damage and you take less damage. But if you got bypass that, then you actually leave yourself very susceptible um, to damage. So you have to like sometimes defend, even though you might want to attack, you actually want to defend to keep that meter in this like little area. So it, it's just like a little extra layer of strategy and doesn't, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, our friend Rob hates turn-based RPGs so that used to do the play at Loudcast with me. So this is a way to keep it a little more engaging because like, it's not just like, okay, let me just wait for my turn. You do have yeah. to kind of think ahead and plan how you're, you're doing attacks. So that's been very fun. Um, so check those out. Um, if you're interested and you want something to play over, if you have a Christmas break or you have some time off, I think those are worth checking out. They'll, they'll definitely uh, give you your money's worth. Probably, I'm sure, plenty of hours to put into them. Uh, as far as watching, I did get to watch uh, The Banshees of Inishirin, uh, which is the new Martin McDonough movie. Uh, it's on HBO. It's available now. Uh, this is the repairing of Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Uh, they were in, in Bruges together. So if you've ever seen mm -hmm. that movie, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, so this is um, not a sequel or anything, totally different thing. Just the same actors. I don't know if you've seen the trailer. It's a really interesting concept. It's these two people that are apparently, like, we understand that they're very good friends. They hang out every day at the pub. It takes place in 1923, Ireland, in a very, very small, like, village. And um, basically one day they go to the pub and one of the guys just says, sit over there, sit away from me. And he's like, why? And he's like... I just don't want to be your friend anymore. And he's like, why? He's like, I just don't like you anymore. And that's like the whole like starting point of the whole movie. And um, Colin Farrell plays kind of this, uh, they call him dull. He's a simpleton. Um, uh, so he kind of just talks about nonsense and he's just like, he, ha he has a dot pet donkey and he's like, oh, he's like, he loves and like hangs out, but he's just, he's very simple. There's like not much to him. You know, he lives with his sister and she kind of takes care of him and all this stuff. And then Brendan Gleeson is just like this kind of like curmudgeon and it seems like a weird pairing in the first place, but yeah, like that's kind of the whole concept and I don't want to like spoil where it goes, but there's like just some weird it goes to weird places. There's some weird consequences. Um, I guess this isn't even a spoil. I should kind of just say this because it kind of will be intriguing. And especially if you've seen the trailer, the whole thing is that Colin Farrell kind of keeps bugging him, uh, you know, and like, why don't you want to talk to me? Blah, blah, blah. He's like very upset, obviously. And then eventually Brendan Gleeson just says, from now on, from now forward, every time you bother me, I have a pair of shears. I'm going to cut off one of my fingers and I'm going to give it to you until I have no fingers left. So, Starting from now, if you bother me, and I won't wow. let you know what happens after that, <laughs> whether the fingers come off, if whatever. But uh, it's yeah, it gets like very intense uh, for such a very simple setup. Um, yeah, very very good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and if you like Mark McDonough's film, that's like Seven Psychopaths, um, uh, Three Billboards in uh, Missouri or Ebbing, Missouri, whatever. Uh, um, that came out. Um, and uh, what's the other big one? In Bruges, duh. And then there's there's another one too that I'm like forgetting. But he's he's done a lot of stuff. I like like all this guy's films. I think they're phenomenal. Um, the other thing I watched, which is a little more in the nerd realm, is I did watch uh, the first two episodes of Tales of the Jedi. Oh, um, which is the new animated, um, a little more. I would say it's a little more grounded animated than the Clone Wars. Kind of similar art style, but it's like it it has more of the palette of like Rogue One and Andor. And it definitely had a little more like seriousness to it, like Andor. But it is dealing with characters we know from the saga. It's not in its own island like Andor kind of is. And uh, the first episode is like a little background on Ahsoka. 
the um which is cool and they're not they're not very uh, long like the first episode 22 minutes the rest are around like between 10 and 20 minutes uh it seems about um the second episode was a young count dooku uh with a very young qui-gon jinn uh so it was a little like story of them dealing with something as you know jedi master and padawan and uh really really cool i, I th- they were really well done um, so I, uh, I plan to watch the rest cause it seems like a pretty easy investment just because the episodes aren't long and, uh, yeah, they're exploring like cool little historical moments and some, you know, characters that we know from the movies, but you know, very little known pockets of their, of their tale. So, uh, I would check that out. Nice. It's very good. What about you? Me? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I haven't been, uh, watching or or playing a whole hell of a lot but this time of year you know when you are uh, the patriarch of a little family with three kids and uh, you gotta think about holiday festivities we have our annual sort of christmas go-to movies and that's kind of what we've been marathoning over the mm. week and that's gonna be fun for you you know you're, you have your first one arriving in a little while and uh, you're gonna start coming up with your traditions but in our house Movies like, you know, there's certain ones that are just on the annual rotation, like Elf, uh, The Grinch that stole Christmas, the remake that has Jim Carrey in it. Uh, And uh, tonight we just finished watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation right before. Oh, very good. So those are like, I've I've watched those three movies in rapid succession. (laughs) And in terms of playing, like, honestly, nothing all that fun. And I, and, I really kind of like, I, I got to get serious now about finally beating God of War, a game yeah. that I've started a couple of times. And for some reason, I just keep stalling out, but I got to get through it because I, I I have it on good authority that I've been a good boy for, for, for this year. And I'm going to get God of War Ragnarok as a gift. So oh, let's so give yeah, me you, a little you bit. Must. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's lighting a little bit of a fire under my ass to find very good games. Very way. good games. I know. And I know you're obsessed with Ragnarok. You were talking about it last week. And I'm definitely, definitely interested in that. But what I've been playing more than anything is uh, WWE 2K22 with some of my creative wrestlers and just going <laughs> online and punishing noobs. It's just one of my favorite uh, pastimes, you know? Um, <laughs> But yeah, so in light, uh, in lieu of me having a ton to share about stuff that I, I've watched or played, uh, why don't we, you know, crack open a topic that was sent in by one of you out there? Because this was an Ask the Fanboys edition of the podcast. We opened it up to you on Twitter. We also, I let you all know last week to send in your emails for anything that you would like covered on this week's show. Uh, we've got a number of awesome questions and topics lined up and uh, one of them seems very very sort of topical right now since uh everyone is still a buzz about the news of the dcu and the upcoming reboot of superman that's coming by way of james gunn writing a story about a new young clark kent and all that kind of good stuff so naturally since we're thinking about reboots and we're thinking about you know what the story could be. Everyone's also doing their little bit of dream casting. Uh, 
So James Prescott over on the Twitter. Remember, James was on this show like four episodes ago, for those of you who listen every week, as you should. I mean, why wouldn't you? But James, uh, he sent in the question, who is your dream casting of the principals? Meaning Clark, Lois, Lex, Brainiac, Jimmy for Guns Superman movie. Thank you, James. Yes. So uh, I, you know, truth be told, I felt a little bit like I was out of the loop last week in terms of like, who do I, who do I even know who qualifies to play him if we're going younger, you know, in terms of, because you know, casting Superman is kind of tricky. You know, he's an interesting situation because yes, there are physical parameters, but then there's like this intangible quality, you know, because like yeah. what, like one of the first things I said, I put a, 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 a tweet out there kind of soliciting suggestions. And I said, you know, they have to be around 25 years old because we're going for young Clark. I said, if we're going for traditional Clark, it's got to be at least like six, three, because in the in, in the official sort of encyclopedia, he's six, four, you know, and traditionally, oh, wow. you know, you, yeah, you got to have you got to have a pretty tall Superman. You know, I think Brandon Routh was 6'3", and Cavill was 6'2". But I'm like, you know, he's got to be well north of 6. And, uh, you know, it was what I said. I said six, you know, at least 6'2". I say he's got to be 25. He's got to have the look. But then there's the thing, you know, yes, you have to have a charisma. But the intangible thing is you have to sort of like exude, in my opinion, if you're Superman. You have to like exude a kindness. You have to exude a sort of like warmth of like this person who's just kind of good and kind and there for you. There's like this extra little bit of like, sure. I don't know. There's just an element that has that to come. je ne sais quoi. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> some people give off like, oh, I'm, I'm, this guy is so cool and I would follow this person off the off a cliff because they're so cool. Some people, right. hey, people have different like qualities that they just innately sort of, you know, emit. And anyone who's playing Clark Kent has to emit a sort of like warmth and kindness that's just innately there, you know? So when you're casting someone, it's not just about meeting the physical and the age criteria. It's about, do they have that, you know, do I get that feeling from them that this person like just cares and is somehow pure and, and good and true in, sure. in, a, in a world of, uh, of cynical things, there's something about this person that just stands out as like, that's a good person there, you know? Um, so anyway, so I, I had people submit suggestions and I got a lot of, you know, a lot of repeat ones that I've seen before, like this one, David Corin Sweat. Uh, I think that's sure. how you say it. And uh, when it comes to Corin Sweat, you know, my, my feeling there is, look, he's got the look. And I've seen yeah. some photoshops where it's like, holy crap, the guy looks like he, you know, one of these types of guys who was born to don that suit. Yeah, I get it. I see it. But the guy's already like 31 or 32, I believe. So to me, he's already like a man. You know what I mean? And yeah. not, not just that, he looks too much like he could be like from the same cut, you know, the same mold as Henry Cavill. You know, and a right. part of me is like, we've just done that. You know, this guy could be Henry's little brother, you know? So I, I was looking at suggestions and at someone who just comes off as younger and more boyish. Um, and there's this guy, I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Wolfgang. How do you say it? He's got a Novogratz. name. Yes. Wolfgang yeah. 
Novogratz. I have okay. seen him, and uh, I saw a clip of him in a movie, yeah. yes. and I saw him, and he certainly has the look, and he did definitely exude that quality. Right? I had never heard of him before yeah. this moment. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. in that scene, that's kind of going making the rounds right now, where he like helps this girl up who you know falls on the floor and whatever, yeah. and he it's from what Yes her. God Yes or something like that. That's the something name of the movie. Like yeah, but yeah, like yeah. in just that little mini scene, it's like that could have been a scene that took place at Smallville High, and he's got this sort of innate kindness to him. He mm-hmm. just exuded it. And if we're going through the other characteristics, Homie is six foot three. All right, sure. He's got like the square jaw and the dimples and the cleft. Like he looks like like I've seen some people do like the 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 AI sort yeah. of artwork of him as Superman. It's a little exactly he looked he looked he looked perfect. <laughs> I was like, it looks like good. yeah, like exactly what you would consider for like a young modern day take on Superman. This Wolf Wolfgang no whatever the you know, uh, he seems to be the guy right now of what I've seen. He yeah. like kind of has blown me away with the look and all that stuff. Um, and then if we're going down, you know, past that, you know, obviously we got to talk about Lois and my pick there so far of some of the, uh, the names I see getting bandied about. And just from, you know, actresses I've seen in action, I, I'm a really big fan of Naomi Scott. Are you familiar with oh, the with, Pink uh, Ranger herself? Yes. Yes. I'm very familiar. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And hey, listen, it kind of fits, right? Because uh, the former Pink Ranger, Amy Jo Johnson, has directed some of the best episodes of Superman and Lois. So, yes, you know, yes. Pink Rangers and Superman, there's a connection there. You know, there's a yep. vibe. She's but also Naomi done, she was in uh, the Charlie's Angels reboot, yes. which I don't think it did very well, but she's in that. And she yeah. was in um she was Jasmine in the live action Aladdin. There you go. So yes. she could sing too. She's pretty talented. Yeah, and listen, if you're Lois, you gotta sing. That's obviously obviously that's like one of the major points of her character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So <laughs> Naomi Scott kind of has my my vote there in the lowest category. Uh when it comes to Lex, I'm I I I, I need to think on that still. See, for me, like First of all, I, I should say all this fan casting, all this dream casting stuff. It's just for me, it's pure fun in games. I have no yeah. horse in the race here. You know, I have a totally open mind as for what kind of story Gunn's going to tell. And if, you know, cast whoever, I hope he casts whoever he sees fit for this story. You know, I'm not going to be like, it's got to be this way, you know. But when it comes to like Lex, I would personally love to see either politician Lex where he's got the strong public face and people see him a certain way as a man of the people and this and that. But then in the, you know, in the shadows, there's a whole other side to him because we haven't seen that side, you know, that we haven't seen that done on, sure. uh, on, in, you know, on the, any kind of live action. I don't think just yet. And, um, but I also like, you know, whatever, you I, I, never mind. I was going to say, Do like you want this man tycoon thing, but eh, let me ask you though. We've seen do you Barry. want an older Lex, like someone who's yeah, older I, than I, Superman, or do you want someone like a contemporary? Like, yeah, I guess that's what I'm going. I guess what I'm leaning, what I was kind of building to there, is that I like the Lex who is older. I like the Lex who's like you know got at least twenty years on Superman. I, don't, I have I, a pretty I, inspired pick for Lex. Oh, here, and we it go. would never happen, mm-hmm. probably. But I really want you to think about this one. I'm nervous. You know who would be an amazing Lex Luthor? And probably maybe the politician one. 
that you're talking about? Who? Tom Cruise. Oh, wow. Think about yeah. mega, megalomaniac Tom Cruise with and the bald this, head. Like, like think of him. Side. No, but think of him in Collateral. Yeah. yeah. Like where he's a, that's like one, that's his big villain role. Yeah. Imagine like a menacing Tom Cruise. Like, yeah, we're like for the public, he's that charming megawatt. Yeah, because he could do that, you know. but he could be a real and then, lunatic yeah, and snap and turn. Stage, and that's if like, you wanted to go like, okay, we're gonna get like you know Wolfgang or like maybe a yeah. no name for Superman, which I, I would love yeah. for the. I mean, not to say that this kid Wolfgang's a no a, a no name, but yeah, 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 I, yeah, he hasn't been much, so he, he might as well be like a, a new a newcomer, no name. But I would love for them to just pull like some no name, not anyone to know. But sometimes it's cool then to anchor that with you know maybe a little stunt casting. Maybe get someone in there with a little, a little like you know, uh, you know, panache behind them, and I think yeah. that a Tom, a Tom Cruise, Lex Luthor, a very, very megalomaniacal Tom Cruise, Lex Luthor, really, really cool. Hmm. But hey, that's just hmm. me. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like so, that's why for me, like I know I want him older, but the Cruise idea is interesting. And in general, I just, you know, I, I'm going older. The Eisenberg thing, I didn't really have an issue with the fact that he was younger and a tech geek and all those other sort of like mm -hmm. creative liberties they took. I didn't mind any of that, but I've just always gravitated towards the older Lex. So I kind of hope that we see that. We, and with and bearing in mind, by the way, I hope Lex is not in any way, shape or form front and center in this story. Okay. Just in case it's not 100% clear. Uh, I feel that it is a shame that by and large in Superman's solo affairs, the primary villains we've ever seen him deal with are Lex yeah. Luthor and General Zod. So for me, yep. I'm like, keep Zod away from whatever these upcoming plans are and keep Luthor as a as a pivotal but smaller player in this, you know, in the in Luthor works as like a um, as a uh, J. Jonah Jameson type. Yes, where he's affecting yeah. public opinion of Superman and maybe causing like a social issue for him, and but maybe eventually not... becoming a bigger issue. Yeah, eventually build up into that, yeah. like have him around, you know. And but like that—that's kind of the good thing is just being like a thorn in his side, uh, making people you know feel uncomfortable about him, and and like affecting like the the you know emotional, social, and like mental perception of yeah. superman to people of metropolis and around the world like the the, the psycho psychological game is is yeah. a little more fun with him and For then sure. you know maybe you you build them up into like the bigger villain but at the end of the day it's like either you just either he's just the mastermind hiring you know the big bad or you're just gonna stick him in the fucking kryptonite battle armor suit and we're gonna have a dumb like like yeah. played out um you know super lex luther battle with superman so it's like yeah, and maybe you just keep him in the background and, and make him a nuisance some other way. Yep. But look, James also included Brainiac, which, by the way, I don't know if it's uh, if it's I don't think we got to mention it on last week's show. Yeah. Uh, I think it came out after the fact that the Man of Steel 2 pitch that the studio had heard before James Gunn kind of said we're not proceeding with any of that would have had Brainiac as the central villain. So, you know, yeah. that's a, that's one of those things where, like, fans have been saying for ever, 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 decades now, we want to see yeah. Brainiac in a Superman movie. And it sounds like we got kind of close, but uh, it's not in the cards for now. But since Brainiac is on everyone's mind and James brought it up for my dream casting, it's interesting. 
I didn't have an initial suggestion, but then somebody made a suggestion for Clark that I thought was so outlandish that I thought this guy doesn't work for Clark at all, but I actually would love to see his brainiac. And this came from DL Kiedis, who's great. You know, um, Dan's awesome. He's written for Revenge of the Fans. He's a good friend of the show. He had the suggestion of Bill Skarsgård, and uh, for Clark, for Superman, and he was you know, and and he defended it kind of like you know he likes the left field sort of choices. You know, he sees Skarsgård. I think like I saw his tweet actually yeah. come up and in like, the thing, and I was like, I don't know if I like yeah. the look for him. But he was, now that you're fucking, I mean, go with it. Yeah. Because I yeah, love yeah, what yeah. you're going with. It. Yeah. So, but yeah, but listen, he was going, you know, like he was thinking more like what Tim Burton was going to do with Nicolas yeah. Cage. And listen, I get it. But in general, by the way, I do feel like for this particular Superman, I want them to go like as traditional as possible. You know, I don't really want a lot of like against type casting yeah, yeah, and yeah. radical creative choice. I know I sound like a total like, yes, you know, square and normie and don't take any risks. But honestly, you know, I am feeling a, a teeny bit risk averse because there's a lot riding on this reboot. You know, there, yeah. there, there's a lot, you know, especially with the outrage over recasting Cavill, like Gunn yeah. has to nail this. So, yeah. you know, the, 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 there is absolutely um, just a lot yeah. to factor in there. But going just now to Brainiac in particular, that's where I think Bill Skarsgård would make for a fascinating Brainiac. Yeah. Because that's one where, again, he's traditionally been depicted almost kind of older and kind of like an elder figure. And he's like this ancient alien sort of being. And Skarsgård, I mean, we've already seen the sort of physical acting he can do, what he did as Pennywise yeah. in It chapters one and two. But he has like he already has like a sort of alien energy to him. Yeah. Skarsgård has this very sort of like otherworldly charisma and weird, you know, the, the big eyes. And he like he can be he quite looks, menacing too. Yeah. Quite like, menacing really, without yeah. doing much. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like so I feel like I would love to see like an understated slinky alien played by Bill Skarsgård as brain. I love that. You know, um, did you have, yeah, I, I kind of glossed over when it came to, you know, Clark and Lois and the others. Do you have any suggestions along any of those lines? Yeah. With the Clark, I do really like that Wolfgang kid just from, I mean, whatever. I haven't seen much. I just saw the one clip in him, but like he really, that's pretty good. <laughs> Um, and he's like you said, he's the right age, right height. Otherwise, I would love them just like pluck some fucking nobody, you know. By the I way, mean, they hand. go through the audition process and yeah. make sure that they can actually do the role. But like, I would yeah. love if they were just like, this is this kid's first fucking movie, and yeah. whoever it is, and just like really. And I'm totally for that too. I'm totally with it. But I also wanted to point out something that just other tidbits about Wolfgang that yeah. make him interesting to me. So. Uh, where is he from? He's from Manhattan. He's from New York. Essentially, he's from Metropolis. So he gets the vibe already. You know, right. I like that. He, for some reason, I love that he's from New York. But also, apparently, homie went to Harvard also. Okay. So he's a he's a smart guy. And when you want someone who can have that duality of being Clark and being Superman, you know, having a, a Harvard, you know, guy playing. I like that he's I American. Kinda, yeah, and that, yeah, he wouldn't have to put on an accent or yeah, like, and also like be... he, 
yeah. you know, he's more in touch with like that's a, Superman's such a, an American character, you know. So I like yeah. that because we've always been around these Brits coming in and taking all of our roles. Yeah. Um, but they do much better acting training over there. Uh, so <laughs> that's probably why. Um, but yeah, like so, yeah, Clark, I mean, um, I really like the Bill Skarsgård as Brainiac. You know who actually would have been a cool Brainiac? But, and, you know, he was definitely wasted because the movie wasn't good and whatever. But um, Christian Bale would have made a cool Brainiac hmm. if he didn't do God the Gore, uh, Gore, God the Gore Butcher, <laughs> Gore the God Butcher. Because that was like, eh. He was yeah. creepy in there at points too. But, like, that movie was like, I didn't really care for Thorn, Love Thorn, Love, whatever. I can't talk today. <laughs> or Love and Thunder. Whatever yeah. that movie's called, it, it, yeah. yeah, I didn't really care for that, and he was kind of like wasted and weird. But like, there was some, there was some cool stuff there, and obviously we know Christian Bale is like a, he could be very menacing, and yeah, he's very transformative physically and stuff like that. So like, that actually would have been pretty interesting too. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, for Al, uh, who else? Who else for for stuff? Lois, Lois, you know who could potentially be good too? Um, Lily Collins. For mm, Lois. Interesting. She's got the look. She's got the look. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen her in anything, but I've seen her in a I few things. I, what I see yeah. her recently, there was a movie that came out on it was on Netflix or something. It was uh it's hit her, Jesse Plemons, and like somebody else. And it was like, oh, and um, what's his face? Uh Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel, Jesse oh, Plemons, and her. I forgot yeah. what it was called, but like, yeah, like basically like Jesse Plemons and her were like husband and wife, and like Jason Siegel like breaks into their house and like is trying to like rob them, but then like I don't know, like they end up he's there, he just stays there for a while, and there's like this whole yeah. big thing, and it, it's like very psychological. But she she definitely like puts her foot down in it at a few points where I could see like an assertiveness like from Lois, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, she seems doing uh pretty good. She's also pretty pretty big right now. Uh, she has like a hit show on Netflix too. Yeah, I think Emily in Paris. I don't watch it, but I heard it's very good. She's very good mm-hmm. in it supposedly. So. Just saying. All right. Now, and the other character James brought up, of course, was Mr. Jimmy Olsen, who I assume will be shot in the face. Someone we could just blow their brains out immediately. Uh, (laughs) No, Jimmy. uh, So I initially pointed out, and, and I stand by it. That he nobody has more Jimmy Olsen energy right now to me than Jack Quaid. Okay, from the boys. Like to me, the guy, he's just got that thing. But then People point out the age situation where here Jack Quaid, even though to me he still seems like this young kid who just arrived on the scene because the boys is this new thing. He's 30 already. So he's going to be older than Clark at this point, which I don't know if that's a deal breaker, but you know, traditionally, you know, he's he's the contemporary. Yeah. yeah, You know, or a little bit younger. younger, It looks up to him, you know. So depending on which way they want to go. So, you know, with that in mind. You know, a couple people pointed me in the direction of like Stranger Things with the the, the actor Caleb McLaughlin. Huh. Um, I forget his character's name on the show, but Caleb, you know, I I actually I could see it. I could see it. He's got he could pull off Jimmy, but then it also I was looking around within that cast, and I even mm-hmm. think the guy who plays uh, Dustin Gaten Matarazzo. He has that like huh. excitable Jimmy Olsen energy too. And he doesn't right, necessarily right. look right out of the central casting for Jimmy, but he's got that Jimmy energy and he's also really smart and all that, you know? So, right. Yeah. For some reason, uh, stranger things, I feel like someone in that cast should be Jimmy Olsen. That's, that's right. <laughs> um, and just, do, do you have a Jimmy? 
Uh, none that I can think of right now. No? Top okay. Yeah. So then before we move on, I just, just circling back to just the tricky part with casting Superman too, which is again, not only do you have to have the physical characteristics and all that kind of stuff. And not only in this case, do you have a sort of specific age range that you're going to want him to be? Uh, not only do we have to have that thing. I said that intangible, that ability to like emit warmth and kindness and friendliness from just your eyes. But now you could have all of that. But in this particular case, too, you also you need to be able to kind of play two different characters. You need to be a very talented actor because there's a there's a duality in playing this role that like, you know, yeah. Christopher Reeve got to demonstrate over the course of four movies. And Brandon Routh got, you know, limited chances to to show in Superman Returns. And unfortunately for Henry, he never really got a chance to show like the dual identity thing that, no. much, you know, his Clark wasn't that different from his Henry, you know, his uh, Superman. And we could assume that he was going to get there eventually. But then again, they killed him off at the end of BVS. So right. maybe uh, I, I honestly, that's one of those things where like, if I could go back or if I could just ask Snyder, like, what were you thinking when you thought it, when you made the choice to not have Clark go missing as he does in the comics? No, to have Clark Kent killed off and have a funeral in Smallville, as well as having Superman buried in Metropolis. Uh, how, so what? So now in for future Superman movies, there's no Clark Kent. But then at the end of Zack Snyder's Justice League, he is Clark with the glasses. I'm just anyway. He, he um, wasn't I, thinking. I digress. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. But yes, while Henry never got a chance to show off properly the dual identity angle, whoever this new actor is, I feel like innately Gunn is going to expect them, is going to need them to. Because this is a, if this is a Clark that's already like in action, who's already in Metropolis, who already is somewhat formed, then in theory, he already has his like, his disguise all mapped out. He's already met Lois. He's already met all these people. So in theory, we're going to meet a Clark who's already adept at being Clark Kent to the public and being something entirely different when he's, you know, transforms into Superman, you know? Sure. And again, that is no small feat for any actor to be able to pull off. And arguably up to this point of the live action Superman, it's still kind of Christopher Reeve and then everyone else in a distant, you know, line. Because yeah, yeah. even Tyler, you know, I love Tyler Hoechlin in Superman movies, mm -hmm. but, you know, th there's not a huge difference with the way he looks and sounds as Clark and he does a Superman. I don't think there's, uh, a, there's it's subtle. It's, it's subtle, subtle, but I think it, I think it is. It's there. He he raises his voice. Um, he pitches his voice higher, and he's definitely. I should have known you were going to defend him because that's your Superman right there. He is, but no, but I think <laughs> I I think that's one of the things I enjoy about him. I think I like when he yeah. is Clark because I do think he has. There's like a a bounciness to his physicality. Yeah, and he does actually raise the pitch of his voice, and I I and he is like he does the clumsy thing, and I think he does it really really well. But eh, it's just me. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, look, I think uh, that rounds out the dream casting topic and sure. I'm going to sneak in. I, uh, there is a little bit of current eventing that we have to do before we get to our next listener question, because, mm -hmm. you know, we've done an awful lot of talking in the last few weeks or months about this person. And I have been talking about this person for the last like two years since before you came on this show on a regular basis. And that is the rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. This week, 
there was a major update in the twist and turn of Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam and the DCU. Because remember, ladies and gentlemen, the hierarchy of power was going to change. So this week, guess what? Black Adam is gone. There is not going to be a Black Adam sequel for the foreseeable future. Yeah. In essence, James Gunn had that same painful meeting that he had with Cavill. He had that meeting with The Rock this week, leading to The Rock releasing a statement and essentially just kind of like very professionally and gentlemanly kind of like bowing out of DC for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Of course, they left it, you know, he left it a little open-ended with this thing about like, he, you know, Black Adam is not in the first phase of the DCU plans, essentially. But kind of making it sound like he could come in later. I wouldn't count on it. Yeah. And even James Gunn, in his follow-up statement, said something along the lines of, you know, can't wait to collaborate with you soon. And again, it sounds like, oh, maybe they will bring him again. They're just being yeah. polite. I think Black Adam is gone. And that is a staggering thing to believe after everything that's gone on with The Rock and putting this movie together and promoting it to the high heavens and all the years of development. And it's been interesting, right? Because he did initially sign up for it way back in 2007. And he loves to talk about the 15 years he spent yeah. developing this passion project of his. But I kind of had to like remind people uh, over on the Twitter, I, I have a, a thread that kind of really caught on uh, about kind of debunking this thing about the 15 years of Black Adam. Because, yes, OK, he signed up back in 2007, but within a few years, he was no longer working on a Black Adam movie. He was developing a Lobo movie with Brad Payton. And then that fell through. And then when that fell through, he started teasing uh, Green Lantern stuff. And even with his John Stewart Green Lantern Instagram posts, he was teasing a fight with Superman even then. Okay. So he's been, he's had this thing about wanting to fight Superman. He just wants to fight Superman. Yeah, apparently, that's what this is all about. Yeah. All, apparently, this entire thing of his has been about fighting Superman because he was teasing John Stewart can whoop Superman's ass in 2014. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and then finally he turned his attention to black Adam full time after like 2016, 2017, you know, I kind of had to just kind of like debunk that because people are just way too readily repeating that little factoid that he's been developing this movie for 15 years. By the way, I wouldn't want that to be, the rap on this movie. I wouldn't want people to think I've spent 15 years on it if that was the end result. <laughs> right? Like, I would yeah. be like, oh, no, I just, we threw this together last summer. I'm sorry yeah. it wasn't better. It was just, you know, it was hastily, you know, it was just, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. If, if you spent 15 years, I'm expecting an yeah. opus. I'm expecting one of the greatest blockbusters of modern cinema. Okay. But uh, yes, after 15 years of being linked to the character and a couple of years finally bringing it to the big screen, Dwayne Johnson is not only where the hierarchy of power lies. He's not only not that at this point, he's out of the picture entirely. And 
beyond that, we got some interesting facts about his, uh, Black Adam and what that movie cost and some stuff that apparently was beneath The Rock to do. Okay? So we found out that the movie did not cost the initial... One hundred and ninety thousand. That uh, one hundred one hundred ninety thousand. Wow! Yeah, imagine that. It didn't cost the one hundred ninety million that they said it cost, which in and of itself was pretty damn expensive for a little known, uh, you know, superhero movie or whatever anti-hero movie. But then THR came out with this whopper that it actually cost two hundred and sixty million dollars. Okay, wow. that puts it in the category of like you know, like like a, a Superman movie. I, I I think Man of Steel costs like two thirty or something like that. Okay, wow. like two sixty on a Black Adam movie is insane. And apparently, as part of that reporting, what they were saying was that it had been one ninety, but then after a test screening that went really poorly, and they did like two weeks of additional footage uh, shooting. That two weeks is where like a whole other 70 million was spent, I guess, trying to like take all the the input from that test screening and like micromanage this movie to like not get those same criticisms anymore or whatever. But apparently that's what happened. They made a one hundred and ninety million dollar picture. People saw it, said this sucks. They're like, all right, let's (laughs) rewrite and make a bunch of good new stuff. Let's throw a whole bunch of money at it. And uh, now the budget has gone out of control to 260. And uh, the movie is basically like petering out at 391 million or something like that. Yeah. And now that it's on HBO Max, where you don't even have to pay for it, uh, I don't see it adding much more in the way of home video sales and all that kind no. of stuff. So it's crazy to think that this is how the Black Adam tenure sort of ends here. But you know what? In a lot of ways, I say good riddance. I've kind of, you know, I've really kind of gotten over the rock in these last few weeks because I also hear that he was basically like unwilling to collaborate with the rest of what's going on and with, with DC on film because the rap has revealed Umberto Gonzalez, El Mayimbe, my old friend from Latino Review, revealed that Homeboy. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, turned down cameoing in the Shazam sequel that's coming out. He even turned down appearing in the Flash movie that's coming out next year. Okay? Here's a guy who you would think, like, okay, you're launching this movie with the Justice Society. You're making a full court press to bring in Superman. You'd think, like, okay, you're trying to be a part of the big world that we're going to try to build here. But apparently he's only interested in the stuff that's directly related to him. And it's because he's got a producer stake on anything that's black Adam related. He doesn't have a producer stake in the flash. So he doesn't want to show up there. He doesn't have a producer stake in uh, Shazam, even though you'd think he would like, I, it just, you know, I'm a little, just, I'm put off. And that whole situation where he tried to step in in the power vacuum and force the Henry Cavill thing through. Listen, I was excited to have Henry back. And if it was going to get us a a Man of Steel 2, and if The Rock was responsible for that, I was ready to like, thank you, worship at his feet. Thank you for that. But it's very clear that like 
that's not even really what was realistically on the way he never signed a contract okay all of this stuff was still sort of tentative and pending and i seem to recall that a couple weeks after black adam came out after james gunn had already gotten the job johnson somehow ended up in the headlines again over a deadline where he seems to have a friend at deadline who <laughs> when 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 it was time to debunk or at least attempt to debunk that black adam was going to lose money uh dwayne johnson did some interesting twitter math and deadline backed him up nope. like debunking the hollywood reporter saying no no it's actually going to make money and that deadline looks stupid because the real math has kind of come out um <laughs> but he went over to his homeboys over at deadline again and i see these headlines of where he's talking about how, yeah, you know, Warner Brothers was just, you know, they were inexplicably not wanting to bring Superman back. And it's got to be Henry. And he's the best ever. And he's better than Christopher Reeve. And like, I look back at that stuff now in retrospect, and it's like, <laughs> he must have known that something's going on that, you know, James Gunn got the job and maybe things aren't going the way he thought. And this was his way of, again, trying to like stoke public energy and kind of force James Gunn's hand to continue on with this creative path that he wanted things to go on, even though Gunn was brought on board to essentially like right the ship at all costs, whatever that means. Right. You know, so when I look at that, I see it as like a manipulative power play from someone who's not thinking about the bigger picture, just wants to get that producer credit on a Superman movie and wants to continue his little Black Adam-centric universe where apparently he doesn't even have time to make cameos in the movie about his character's main antagonist. Like, <laughs> I don't know, to me, it's like it's just his priorities seem to have been all about how can I keep the focus yeah. on me and what I want and uh, I'm kind of just over the rock at this point with him being uh, out of the picture. I say good riddance at this point. You know, Mario, I can't think of a better way to bring this home than to say that I think Black Adam came and went just like a Maya via hurricane. And you <laughs> might say that, that the rock has hit rock bottom at this point. Wow. Yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank so you. Where All right, Matt will be seeing himself out. Um, oh, I'm, no, I'm staying, motherfucker. <laughs> By the way, I since we're acknowledging our wonderful listeners, uh, you know, included in that last answer I gave to James's thing, I also kind of addressed what Chaz A. Davis had sent in because he he specifically kind of spotlighted Wolfgang. He said, "Have yes. you seen those Wolfgang Novogratz images as Superman? As disappointing as the departure of Cavill is, this kid certainly looks the part." So yes, Chaz, as I answered in the last question, indeed, indeed. I a thousand percent agree. He's got that look, and uh, you know, let's see what happens. It'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. Um, the, by the way, the okay, I, I'm going to say that. Uh, the next topic I'm going to go to it came in from Twitter, Mr. Sam Tickeram. All right. Since we're talking about or Tickeram, since we're talking about a young Superman, right? That seems to be the, the big conversation about what James Gunn's, uh, you know, story is going to be. Uh, what would be a good young Superman story that I would like to see Gunn adapt? So. 
Like th there are a few. I mean, you brought one up, didn't you, Brett? The other day, you brought up the Superman Earth One thing, right? Um, I've talked about that before. I have mentioned that before. Yes. Yeah. Because I like the um, Earth One comics. I have the Batman and Green Lantern ones, and uh, yeah, they're cool. So honestly, I'm not a big Earth One person because to me that looks like more dark, broody, mysterious, glowing red eyes, Clark, and that's not the Clark I'm looking for. Um, sure. I love Secret Origin. There's some very interesting stuff in that one written by Jeff Johns, especially, you know, th there's a whole Man of Steel scene that was cribbed from Secret Origin. And David Goyer eventually wrote an, uh, an introduction for that book. If you haven't read it yet or if you go pick it up, you're going to see Goyer. They basically cribbed that scene when Jonathan shows Clark the ship. And Clark just like, you know, can't I just keep being your son? And Jonathan's like, you are my son. That's essentially straight out of Secret Origin and that whole thing. Right. I love that story. It's also one of those ones that if memory serves, it's been a few years, but I believe it posits uh, Jimmy. No, it, it posits Lex as a contemporary of Clark's from Smallville. And even though I'm not the biggest fan of that, it is a huge departure from what we've seen. And I am yeah. kind of open to that element of that um but in general secret origin gets a little weird too because then you get like these other heroes from the future who come and take them on an adventure honestly for me like there hasn't been a modern retelling of the superman myth that captures it quite as well as birthright did yeah and to me like, like if everybody yeah if if Gunn is going to take inspiration from anywhere, I hope he takes lots from Birthright. And unfortunately, I, I say unfortunately, like I know Man of Steel also borrowed some. So I hope that doesn't limit Gunn from feeling like, well, now I can't really go to that, you know, well again. It certainly didn't stop Matt Reeves from going to Batman year one. Not the fact all. that Batman Begins also looked at year one. So yeah. who knows? You know, maybe Gunn can look at Birthright and take out some different things from it. But, you know, for me, Birthright, one of the things I love the most is that it gives me a Clark who is curious and traveling the world and trying to learn about humanity. It's a Clark that, like I said on last week's show, it doesn't shock you that he would want to be a reporter. This seems like someone who would want to report on, you know, human stories and, and, and try yeah. to bring clarity to complicated situations. And I would love it. You know, I don't know what the structure of gun story would be. Cause I feel like we're going to be already in metropolis and maybe there could be flashbacks. But what I loved about it was like, you know, there were different sort of montage sequences of things he did over time. But one of the long form sequences we see of this young Clark is he's in Africa kind of um, embedded within this like tribal conflict between these warring factions in this, you know, in this part of Africa. And it's interesting the lessons that he's learning because one side is looking for diplomacy. One side is looking for bloodshed and you're experiencing this story through Clark's eyes and you're realizing how to like a young man coming around the world, trying to understand humans and, and, and the complicated situations that we find ourselves in. I love him picking up these weird lessons and interesting stuff from these different influential people around the world. Sure. And in this particular sequence, like something happens where like the leader of the side that Clark was on and trying to help gets killed. And it's, it's a kind of thing where like, 
he probably could have saved him. He probably could have used his, his powers to stop this entire conflict if he wanted to. But he's trying to, like, you know, help from the sidelines. But when that happens, it, it, it further cements why he can't just help from the shadows anymore. You know, and I would love right. something of a montage showing of like, you know, just this you know, of, of him, like trying his best to to stay in the background, but he just can't help himself and whatever. I just birthright has a lot. Right. And to me, it's yeah. still sort of the gold standard of a modern retelling of the Superman mythology. So if Gunn uh, relies heavily on that, I'll be very, very happy. Yeah. Even though the Clark in it is not necessarily that young, but the backstory for the Clark, I would love it if the Clark that's arrived at Metropolis has a backstory similar to the Clark from Birthright. Right. Um, and no matter what, I hope he adapts one of the ones where Pa and Ma are still alive throughout. Okay. Yeah. I've I've ranted about this before, but somewhere along the line, some creators, some Superman creators, some Superman Hollywood screenwriters have gotten it stuck in their head that Pa Kent is supposed to be like Uncle Ben from Spider Man. Okay. No, he's. It's not integral to Superman's origin that Pa dies. In fact, there are plenty of continuities of superman where he's got both of his parents around well into his adult years so yeah. he's he's already superman he's he, he's already well established in the world but he still goes back to the farm to talk to his mom and dad and get some sagely advice from them i would love to see that yeah in a movie so no matter which way they go with it i hope gun keeps the parents alive because you don't have to do the dead parent thing to make the point you know um, yeah. especially if he's been out and about in the world and, and, and right. getting close <clears throat> to other influential figures, you don't have to kill his mom or dad. Now you can have you know, sure. another, another role model. You know, there's more interesting things to do yeah. than like killing off role models. I think with that it, character, we've been there, so, like, done that. Yeah. yeah. We've done it with so, a lot of characters. Um, right? So, yeah. So hopefully that answered your question there, Sam. Fucking Batman, like, is completely based off of, like, his parents dying. Like, the yep. whole character, like, stems from that. So we don't need Superman to do that, too, necessarily. Yep. Like, there's a, interesting different stories to tell. Um, While we're on this, too, you know, I did just want to throw out, too, because um, I actually was really into um, the New 52 uh, version of um, Superman uh, with oh, okay. the action comics when they kind of did yeah. the New 52 reboot for it. Um, that's the one you'll probably classically know. It was... Uh, Clark in his younger years, it's not quite an origin, but um, he's early on. He he wears a cape and a Superman T-shirt and jeans mm -hmm. and work Indeed. boots, and yeah. he's it's a little more street level. He's not flying yet. I think by the end of the run, he he is obviously, but he's leaping tall buildings in a single bound. And this actually sounds a little bit like uh that that script we were hearing about some months back, where it was going to be maybe in the forties and he couldn't fly yet. Remember yeah. we were talking. To that that uh script I don't know if that was if was that supposed to be the Tom Nahisi Coates script or just another one I forgot I'm not, if, I forgot if that was attributed yeah. to what he was working on yeah. it, but it, I think we've talked about it people probably yeah. hopefully know about it um so yeah like I like this one where you know he's at the Daily Planet already I I, I think um but yeah he he's really just like the hero of the common man like as much as a vigilante he's like. Mm -hmm kicking the shit out of just like bullies and just like like abusive landlords and stuff like that like he's just helping people with these little little problems and obviously yeah. in that way learning too so 
I think that's that's kind of a, a cool way to do it. Like, cause it's still it's not an origin story. Like he's out there, yeah. he's already using his powers. But um, it's just an interesting way to see him. And then you know you have some room to grow with him uh, rather yeah. than him coming in like full force. Uh, you know, from the get go. Uh, the other thing too, and uh, kind of like how Matt Reeves with the Batman. Uh, really put the emphasis on the detective part of detective yeah. comics. Yeah. It'd be cool to have a little more. Well, I, I did, I'm actually, I was going into a different thing, but it would be nice to have a little more action for the action comics. But actually what I really wanted to get into though, is they leaned into, uh, you know, Batman, the detective. I really hope they do lean into Clark, the reporter. And I knew, I knew that's what you were saying. I didn't think you were going. Yeah. Action. I didn't mean to go. I think you meant more like, like yeah. yeah. Like in other words, the alter ego, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want like the alter other ego. side. Yeah. That other and side like, of them. Like imagine this, like honestly, like for me, like the next Superman movie, I want to open up in an all hands meeting in the fucking daily planet. And uh, right away yeah. we see, we see Perry, we see Lois, we see Jimmy, I love it. we see Clark. I love it. He's in there right in the room and yeah. they're talking. And Perry's and doing pitching. the thing where he's like assigning yeah. stories. They're, they're assigning or pitching stories. Clark yeah. says something and he's like, ah, Clark, you're not doing that bullshit. He kind of like shoots <laughs> it down. Lois goes to him and be like, listen, Clark, you know, I'll talk to Perry for you, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we just see Superman. He starts to hear something. Yep. He acts clumsily, knocks <laughs> oh, over like a excited. cup with pencils and pens, hits the floor. When he goes down to picks it up, he uses that to use his x-ray vision. And he sees down on one of the lower floors, someone's in trouble. And he just freaking zooms out of there, get the chest rip, and we're fucking in it, bro. Like the first like 10 minutes of the movie. Let's fucking go. You know what I mean? Like that's what I want. But yes. open them up right there and just get yes, right to it. I loved all of that. Yes, yes a hundred percent all of that. And before we leave this topic, too, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Superman smashes the clan as mm. another young Superman story that I would love for Gunn to have a look at because you know I spoke about it a few months ago here on the show, but there are a few things about that that I think are fascinating. A since he's younger, he's in his early 20s, he hasn't quite figured out all his powers yet. He's still just leaping buildings with a single bound. He's eventually going to figure out how to fly. Yes. But he's still figuring it out, which I think could help with like, you know, the the, the quote unquote relatability issue of Superman. Right. Yeah. He's too impervious. He's too perfect. So if we meet a Superman who hasn't quite figured it all out yet, that helps. But also I love that in that one, he he is completely oblivious to his past. He's oblivious to his real origin story. He knows that he's felt different. He knows, uh, and uh, rather, he knows he's an alien, but he doesn't know anything about Krypton or what, sure. why he's here. Or he, he's never had that thing where he speaks to some hologram of uh, Jor-El or any of that. He just found out at a certain point, hey, kid, you're an alien. And it freaked yeah. him out and made him feel like an outsider forever. You know, And I think... It, it, it would be an interesting way to go because, again, we haven't seen it. We've always seen the one where Clark finds out as a teenager and then processes that all throughout his 20s. And by the time right. he gets to Metropolis, you know, he's pretty kind of fully formed in that regard. But this idea that Clark is just a do-gooder who has these abilities, doesn't quite understand them yet, and he's doing his best, but he's actually like figuring it all out as we go along. I think that's an interesting way to go. And it makes him kind of, you know, relatable because imagine you're figuring out these abilities or I didn't know I could do that. You know, the audience right. have some of that wish fulfillment, some of that like 
putting yourself in their shoes. Because to me, like when I was a kid, that's what used to get me into Superman. Imagine flying, imagining, you know, being yeah. in the red cape and soaring over the, you know, I, I, anything that could put the audience in the characters, you know, shoes, I think yeah. helps. And if you have that sense of wonder of this person discovering what they can do little by little and finding out the weirdness of where these powers come from, you know, I think it makes Clark right off the bat someone the audience can like, oh, you know what? I get that. You know, I may not be a demigod, but I can imagine how freaked out I'd be if I found out all this stuff. And right, sure. the fact that he could do all this stuff still like you know knowing the responsibility of it all and what could happen if things go wrong and blah 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 like i just think it, it opens a lot of compelling doors there so absolutely yeah so superman smashes the clan that's another one that i hope gun is uh you know reading as he puts together his reboot script but now let's see let's find another one of the uh, okay we're gonna this time we're gonna go over to the email section this was sent in to the fanboy podcast at gmail.com. So this is a little bit of a different one. This is not like a DC related one. This is just one that uh, we kind of thought would be fun to answer. Yes. So Eugene Tan sent in, hello, I have a different question today. This one is a fun question. Okay. Are there any songs in movies that make you feel very emotional while listening to the music? For me, it will be Linkin Park, Iridescent, from Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Uh, would like to hear your thoughts. Thanks, and keep up the great work. So, all right, let's talk about movie songs that stir up emotions for us. Brett, why don't you start us off there? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a couple, like, just little ones to rattle off. It's more like just little, like, motifs or, like, moments, I think. Yeah. But, um, you know, one of them, big one, is uh, Forrest Gump the ending when when the, he sees the feather puts his kid on the bus the feather and then the little forest gum theme kicks in yeah that gets me like every time um another one that kind of gives me chills still is um the end of the dark night uh where gary uh, the music that's playing where gary oldman's monologuing over it with that whole uh you know um he's a silent yeah. protect for a watchful guardian a dark night that whole part like if i hear that like the dun, 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 it gets me like i get emotional like just, <laughs> yeah like a like a pumped emotional little teary um that's a big one for me um honestly uh sure i understand well my watch is talking to me uh <laughs> actually flight from man of steel is one that that raises a lot of emotion in me um yeah, I mean, I, I, I have, I'm obviously, I love music. And I'm like very uh, touched by music. So there's a lot, of, there's a lot of stuff like that that uh, that really gets like. Around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, for me, yeah. there's a lot of like you know soundtrack symphonic stuff. You know, from yep. like anything from Superman the sound, Superman the movie, the original John Williams one. The, the, I could listen to three or four of those tracks in a row and picture everything that's going on screen with every single flourish of music. I know I can sure. visualize it all and I get the goosebumps and I get the, the, the eyes welled with tears. So there is that, but I feel like that's kind of like, you know, expected of me to say, um, yeah. same thing with some of the Hans Zimmer stuff and man of steel, you know, I, but when it comes to like, I was thinking like song songs, right. Cause he mentioned Lincoln yeah, Park sure. and I'm thinking about songs that like, put me right in a vibe and right in an emotion and it's really weird by the way that earlier you brought up tom cruise and you brought up a movie that i feel like nobody talks about 
which is collateral. Yeah. And I'm about to bring it up for a second time on this episode. Wow. It's as good a time as any. Yeah. Good time as any to tell you that episode 173 of the Fanboy Podcast is brought to you by Collateral, now on Amazon <laughs> Prime. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but yes, in Am- I remember I was gonna say in Amazon Prime, in Collateral, there's a weird, there's an interesting scene, there's an interesting thing that happens in the in the latter portion, latter half of the movie, where uh, I believe like we see like what looks almost like a wolf on the street and Tom Cruise. Is it Tom or Jamie who looks at him? It's Tom Cruise, right? I think it's Tom Cruise. I haven't like seen driving, it. Yeah. I actually wanted and to rewatch them, like, you're, you're driving around LA at night. It's I mean, Collateral is a great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's Michael Mann at his finest and Tom Cruise. And, and a rare Fox. Tom Cruise villain role. Yes. The and rare he's, Tom um, Cruise. And he's really good in it. Yeah. But at a certain point, it becomes an audio slave music video. <laughs> at a certain point, it's amazing. Like the audio of everything else disappears, and you just hear the song. And it's like a close up of like the wolf and a close up of like Tom Cruise's eyes. And like the guitar plays for a while, and then Chris Cornell's voice starts to sing. And it's like it literally just becomes a music video for a second. It gets very moody for like 30 or 40 seconds. It just plays the whole first, you know, section of this song. And to this day, first of all, I'm a big audio slave fan. Chris Cornell to me is one of the yes. greatest me as well. vocalists ever. May he rest yep. in peace. But when I hear shadow of the sun, it's very like arresting for me. It always brings me back to that, like that stark emotional, weird feeling in collateral. Cause at that point too, like, I think Jamie had already like escaped from him and whatever. I just, right, yeah, that I song that is a kick ass song, song, Shadow on the Sun. Oh, yeah, really Shadow, I mean, oh, so, uh, yeah, that one sprang instantly to mind. And then there are some obvious ones, right? I feel like, you know, I get all jazzed up when I hear some stuff from like the old Rocky movies, you know, like Eye of the Tiger and all that kind of stuff. I picture the, the montages. Yeah get pumped up and i want to lift weights and run up a mountain you know so um yeah in terms of ones that fire up the old emotions you know you had yeah. your 80s montage music which will always work on me yeah. as a child of the 80s but the uh, you mentioned lincoln park i counter with audio slave you yeah the, the osts really get me like uh, other ones i should mention too like honorable mentions they're from trailers but that that uh, i mean i've talked about this ad nauseum that that first teaser trailer um, for Man of Steel, where you oh, see the the little oh. kid running with the cape, you know, the red cape on, yeah. and then it has like the oh, it's like the woman singing, and then there's the shot of him, you know, zooming through the air. That every time I hear it and watch it, I have yeah. tears in my eyes. It fucking gets me like it's inspiring, like in some incredible way. Yeah, and actually, as a more recently thing, is the trailer again. These trailer ones get me. And this is like one of the like trends that I, I know everyone loves to shit on. Um, but, you know, like the whole like let's take a popular song and then slow it down and make it really epic. Oh, yeah. Like we do that all the time. But the recent Super Mario Brothers movie trailers, <laughs> that first teaser when it had the slow motion. Yes, bum, I know. Bum, bum, I was crying because like it was like <laughs> my whole childhood and everything just rose up in me. Dun, I think it's dun, incredible. Dun, Hang on. Dun, 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 dun. I was done. I think it's incredible <laughs> that I cried at Mario Brothers 94 because they burned 
they lit a they lit a character. And you on cried fire. in the trailer because they played dun dun dun. But they I did mean, it. They did it slow. They I did it know. really Listen, slow. I prefer your tears. Your tears are yes. better. Your yours are happy tears. Uh, I just think it's funny that you and I have both literally shed liquid from our eyes over Mario movies. Okay, oh, yeah. we, <laughs> we who better to host a show called the Fanboy Podcast than us, right? Yeah. No, no. Um, <laughs> So awesome. But, uh, that was a really fun question, yes. Eugene. Thank you. Thank you, Eugene. Um, we have a lot from Eugene way, today. We'll get a couple more from Eugene also. We got a couple I, more I want to shout out Eugene because Eugene is like our best fan. And I want to <laughs> say that because not even joking, like Eugene sends us like three or four questions like every week. And we don't always get to them because it's always like, especially lately, it's just been like yeah. we have a million DC topics to yeah. talk about and we can't do this all night because and we usually do it very late. Thank you. And he's very yeah. patient because we haven't <laughs> answered. So we're going to answer a couple from him today. Yeah. You know, some of them, I feel like he, some questions that Eugene sends, like we end up kind of getting to like naturally on the show just yeah. because it's, it's a lot of stuff that's like in the news. Um, so I apologize for making him wait so long, but like he had a couple of good questions and Eugene, yeah. we're going to get them today. So um, yes. thank you for being so patient and a great fan. And he, yes. Thank you. Um, so now just uh, I'm going to sneak in another current events thing, though, too, because yes, because last week we were talking about, you know, does James Gunn's announcement about what looks like a fairly hard reboot being on the way? Uh, does it basically make DC's 2023 slate like a lame duck year for DC on film? Does it basically turn all of these DC movies into Dark Phoenix or the New Mutants where it's like they're the unwanted, you know, unsanctioned continuations of a franchise that is about to be rebooted? No, and... they don't. That's the answer. Okay, good. That's it. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> what? But listen, <laughs> but so yeah, yeah. something to back that up. It's an interesting little uh, thing here, but Warner Brothers has not promoted a film during the Super Bowl in 17 years, okay? Oh. And Warner Brothers has had a lot of movies to promote in the last 17 years, all kinds of, you know, huge tentpole blockbuster IP type stuff. But they've sat out buying those very, very expensive ads for the Super Bowl. But according to Umberto Gonzalez over at The Wrap, who's been on fire of late, uh, Warner Brothers is coming to the Super Bowl to promote The Flash. Okay? So, you know, if in case anyone was wondering now, like, you know, is the studio suddenly going to be less enthusiastic about these films that are coming out next year because they know Gunn is going to try to basically reboot everything? Or, you know, th th there's been some kind of question about how these movies are going to be handled. And first of all, they brought the flash sooner, which I'm a little pissed about because now it's not on my birthday. It's not June 23rd anymore. It's June 16th. So you've ruined my 40th birthday. Everybody, not everybody. Warner Damn, Brothers. Give me 40. I see James. You know what? Hashtag <laughs> fire James Gunn for yeah. freaking <laughs> for moving the flash to June 16th. All right. It was, it was going to be the best birthday gift ever. I'll never forget when Batman forever came out on my birthday and my dad got me a baseball cap with that crappy bat symbol that had the question mark around it. But Amazing. anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, yes. Warner brothers discovery is bringing They're going to be you know doing one of those big, crazy multi-million dollar ad spends on the flash during the super bowl. I thought that was kind of a big deal. 
You know, they're going to try to put this movie out. It it is their best tested movie in many many years. If there's anything to go by, they've been saying that, like, the testings apparently have been phenomenal. So they're like, hey, listen, we're not going to continue on with the shit. We might as well just, like, rake as much money in as we can because he's in a lot of debt. (laughs) And I bet you, since they're going to have that big, like, mainstream eyeball situation, because it's the Super Bowl, it's not just... You're not just playing to your choir. You're you're trying to get new eyeballs. Uh, I bet you there's going to be a fairly heavy feature. If not, maybe the first glimpse, a real glimpse, of Michael Keaton back in the suit. You know, because they've been very coy about that so far in what what's been released. We haven't gotten an official look at him, and we definitely haven't seen him in action yet. So, what better place than the Super Bowl with the world watching to drop yeah. a cool teaser that gives us our first look of the iconic return of Michael Keaton back to the role of Batman? You know, um. And also, since we're talking DCU, you know, James Gunn was asked, you know, he was told, he told us (laughs) that there was going to be some announcements at the start of the new year. And somebody asked how many are going to be announced. And he came back with a few. So listen, that's not a lot to go on, but it's more than one. And it's only more than two. It's three. It's three. At least. Right. (laughs) So you know, th- th- that's where uh, it-, it gets fun now to kind of start spitballing about like, well, what do we think these first few movies could be or what do we hope they'll be, you know? And for me, like, yeah, th- that's one of the questions that came in. Um, let me. Yeah, it was Joey Misfit. Freaking amazing Joey Misfit. Longtime yes. listener, reader, watcher, commenter, all around man of all trades. Uh Joey said you know, he wanted to hear us kind of share what we would like this first initial wave of DC stories to be. And uh, I, this is going to shock you, but I think the first one should be Superman. I don't know. If that's, uh, <laughs> I think it's all, all but confirmed that yeah, the first yeah. announcement will but be Superman. I, I kind of want to just hammer in on that before we spitball about other movies. We'd like to see them, you know, announce, because remember this whole thing with Henry Cavill's exit be now being official and all that kind of stuff. This all came in the context of James Gunn saying that one of the first movies we're going to be seeing is Superman. And one of the first story, you know, one of the first chapters in this yeah. biggest story ever told is a Superman story. So does that mean that we're going to get news already on this Superman movie in a month. And maybe just maybe that's why he had to show Henry Cavill the door because he's further along in his Superman development than he, you know, than anyone had that's realized very possible. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause he did say he's been writing this thing for a while. You know, th- this is not like a thing that he started writing yeah. in the last few weeks. I don't he know. emphasized that he said, I've been writing. Yeah. So it wasn't like a thing he just started doing. Yeah. Yeah. So think about that. If you've got a Superman story that you feel like is strong enough that it's going to launch a universe. Okay. <laughs> and it's going to conceivably conceivably be, if not the first movie, one of the first movies. And you're conceivably going to be ready to announce that as soon as like 
two or three weeks from now, then that means this Henry thing that happened at the end of October had you very nervous, had you very like, wait a minute, no, this is not, this is not what, uh, you know, this is not how this is supposed to go. And this is just going to further muddy the waters, you know? So it's just something to factor in. If Superman is announced as one of the big projects next year, and we already get like a release date or some early details on it, that's going to also kind of reveal why the Henry Cavill decision had to get made. Because clearly they're ready to like move forward on this story and bringing in 40 year old Henry with the baggage and all that other stuff that comes attached with it um, just really wasn't an option. Yeah. So, yes, I think uh, Superman's going to be one of these um, in terms of other DC projects. I'd love for them to come out with next, you know. I would love it if like, you know, if, if, if this Justice League dark situation finally ever kind of came to fruition, I know those characters are very interesting. There's been lots of interesting storytellers and filmmakers who would love to tell stories in that world, including Gunn, who's mentioned he's singled out Swamp Gun, uh, Swamp Gun, Swamp Thing and stuff before. <laughs> swamp Gun. Um, <laughs> Everyone's favorite character. Swamp Gun. Well, isn't, isn't J.J. Abrams uh, loosely Jaja attached Abrams. to this, this just Jaja Abrams, this Justice League dark thing, if I'm not mistaken, I with think the green deal? Like, I don't know. Yeah, Producing, I think he was though, developing something. Yeah. But I think I so hear we'll that, that still went makes poof, it in like most things. Yeah. yeah. So well, here's an interesting. Well, do you or do you want to go through like all of your picks of what you think the announcements are first? No, or go, ahead, I, go ahead. I, yeah. Well, here's the the thing that I'm thinking. So I'm gonna make a couple of uh, proclamations here. So oh. the first thing is I think they're gonna do something bold. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily bold. Maybe it's bold. I think because of the Reeves verse existing with Batman and those solo films, I do not think that the Batman that because he he has confirmed that Batman will be a big part of this Justice League and this story. He's already said that in a tweet. I don't think we see any solo Batman films from this DCU and maybe not until Reeves is done with his trilogy or whatever the hell he's doing i think we only see batman in other films hmm. so yeah. maybe prominently though because yeah. they could do something cool where like you know there's been some cool comics where they do like uh they've, there's been batman flash like detective comics where they're like solving a crime together because yeah. barry allen is obviously in in um forensics uh so like i think we only see batman in uh crossover it, it, like as a crossover character in the films and, you know, he may already know some of the League members. I don't know if it's going to be them meeting. I don't know if it's going to be everyone meeting for the first time. Yeah. I think there will be some kind of implied history or at least knowledge of each other. So that's my number one thing. So I don't think in the first three that there will be a Batman film announced. Um, but Batman may appear in one of them. My other thing here is uh, that I want to point out is we are talking about James Gunn who is a very big fan of obscure characters. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely convinced that he is going to build the same Justice League as what Snyder and the DCEU mm. has had before. I think he's going to go with like a, a more obscure roster? roster or lineup. Um, one of the things I will throw out is I definitely think we're going to get Martian Manhunter in this lineup. 
I think that's a character that Gunn would love to include in there. And listen, yeah. fucking Snyder was going to do it. Yeah. Right? We were about to we were about to go that way. Um. So, but I think Gunn will go for that. But I I'm curious if he's gonna maybe mix things up. Like maybe we get a um. We get a lineup that includes uh, what's his face, Green Arrow. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, maybe if, especially if the rumors are to be, th- uh, to be believed that, um, Momoa may be leaving Aquaman to become Lobo. I don't think we actually talked about that. That's been in the news, the whole Lobo I thing. I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so if he yeah. leaves Aquaman to go Lobo, maybe they leave Aquaman out. Maybe we get a more grounded superhero like Green Arrow, um, and maybe they could finally do that fucking Supermax movie that uh, what's his face? <laughs> Goyer. I still uh, it was Goyer and uh, Kevin Smith, no? Or Kevin Smith just uh, reported about it. Yeah, I go. thought he was involved in that. Or he wrote some of you that. You think a lot of things. I think a lot of things. I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah I remember Kevin Smith that just like talked about it. I don't know if maybe yeah. he wasn't involved, but um, I so I yeah I think we're gonna see a different lineup of the Justice League. I do think we're gonna get some weird characters. Um. Yeah, I am actually looking at a couple of uh, Justice League rosters right now just for shits and giggles. Um, And I'm wondering – so anyway, maybe I should start here first. So the first thing is going to be a Superman film. I then think we get a Green Lantern film announced. Oh, you stole mine. That was my next one. Yes. I think it's Superman, Green Lantern, and then I think we get like – a weirder character. So I'm thinking yeah. maybe like they do like a, a green arrow or um, I don't know if they'll do a Martian Manhunter in the first thing, but maybe like a green arrow and like uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, maybe, maybe like green arrow on canary. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe we get the green arrow canary romance finally and like get that in there. Yeah. Um, maybe. I, I I think or like um I should also throw out like Plastic Man because Plastic Man was in the Justice League under Morrison and he James Gunn loves Plastic Man. Yes, see that's what very... I can see. So I can see but again, I don't know if this is like the first thing. Lantern Plastic Man. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> it might be something like that. Yeah. Um you know, uh I feel like they might might announce a female led one though. I mean, we've had birds. I don't think you announced three yeah. movies right off the bat, and yeah. it's all male heroes. I think you throw a female in there. Um, yeah, Huntress. Huntress is. I mean, Huntress has been played by um, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead in um, in the Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, but uh, Huntress, I think, has also been a Justice League uh, member at some point too. So, yeah, yeah I, I think. I, I, I for anything, if anything, though, at the very least, I, I think we're going to get a, ver- a different lineup. Than, the, than yeah. the, the Snyder lineup. One or I two agree. characters different, not like a major thing, but I think they're, you know, because here's the thing too. I mean, what, what else, what do you want to say on this? Because they actually, we have another comment in here that does tie in, but what else did you want to say on this matter? No, honestly, you know, the, to me, the, the, I think Superman is a shoe in and I would love it if Green Lantern is part of this initial wave too. Yeah. I think, you know, especially if you're, if, if, for world building possibilities and stuff too. I feel like green lanterns, an interesting way to go. There could be synergy there with Clark and the, you know, it just, there's interesting ways to go with the lantern connection. So I feel like Superman, green lantern, plastic man. I would like to kind of, yeah, those are like predictions and things I wouldn't mind seeing. 
yeah. maybe uh, I, I, listen i know you said it, probably a female-led project but right now like unless he's got uh, another batgirl lined up or something like, i don't know who we launch right away lord yeah. knows it doesn't seem like it's going to be wonder woman because that's another thing that seems to be have changed since we last spoke brett right where uh you know last we had heard about wonder woman 3 the project wasn't canceled it was just that patty jenkins submitted a treatment gun and saffron looked at it and said mm, we're going a different way and we'd love for you to redo the script thinking about x y and z and apparently you know she walked from the project there and then she has since responded and blah 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 but for all intents and purposes she's gone and it left the question of, well, is Wonder Woman in general gone then? Is she also going to happen? Is she also going to go the way of what happened with Henry? Are we going to get, are we going to lose Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman? And uh, well, the plot seemed to kind of thicken because in a, in, in, in a social media exchange, one of the, um, one of the, somebody asked him a question about, if he's booting gal the way he booted uh, Henry. And he says, I don't know where you got the idea that, you know, we we've booted gal. So it seems like maybe this means she's around still yeah. for the future. I was wondering or, that or if he was just like, he was taking contention with, I didn't fire her. She left. Yeah. Well, not even that. I just figure like, maybe he just takes issue with the word or the phrasing that they were booted because yeah. maybe they weren't booted. Maybe they politely backed away because they, she wanted to do it with Patty and Patty's not doing it. So yeah. Not yeah, yeah. You know, so like, I wonder, but like, yeah, I know people were like reading into that and like, you know, spinning themselves into a fucking tizzy. Uh, yeah. So cringe. Um, but uh, so anyway, so yeah. So one thing I wanted to kind of circle back with yeah. this, but it's another question. It's another one from Eugene. Thank you, Eugene. Um, he said, after the Flash movie comes out next year, is it very likely that we're going to see a new actor come in to play Barry Allen, the Flash? Mm. Um, I mean, listen, out of everybody, especially with all like the 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 tabloids and the drama around Ezra yeah. Miller, I mean, I am a hundred percent convinced that he's out, and they are the, out. They are out. Excuse me, thank you. But as a good the good thing with the Flash is that. They could do another Flash, and it doesn't have to be Barry Allen because there's so many other Flashes. So they could totally do a uh, Wally West or um, what's his face, the other one, not a Jay Gardner. They're not going to go Jay <laughs> no, Gardner. That's a... <laughs> but there's Wally West, Barry Allen. There's another one, isn't there? Or no? Am I wrong? Uh, those are the main two I know: Wally West and Barry. Yeah. Allen. So what they could do is do a Wally, um, yeah. and uh, and kind of get out of that mess, you know, instead of having to have a new Barry Allen, they could kind of yeah. do that and have a different personality and like and all that stuff. So, um, I'm curious. So, I mean, well, to answer your question, Eugene, I think it's very likely that we're going to see a new actor in that role because I cannot see of all of the people with all the drama that just happened and all the weird stuff, him staying on board. Um, so 100 percent staying that on board. Them, yes. them, 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 them. Isn't okay. it crazy to think how freaking cursed this Flash project has been, man? Because yeah. it's been in development for so long. Like I saw someone scripts. point out. <laughs> so like, I saw someone point out that like Ezra Miller got cast as the Flash, like shortly after Grant Gustin got cast as the Flash in season one of the CW, The Flash, and that thing is about to wrap up its ninth season 
Okay. There's been nine seasons of the flash TV show. And Ezra Miller's movie is going to finally arrive just in time for that franchise to end. You know, it's like, wow. You know, all the slings and arrows, all the twists and turns, all the different writers and directors who've come and gone, the stops and starts, the delays, the this, the that. And now when it's finally arriving, it's arriving at a time where it seems like it's just basically the last sparks, the last sputterings of life of a story that is now being brought to a merciful conclusion. So this Flash movie, what what a trip it's been. Um, so yeah, so I think it's a Superman movie. It's a John Stewart Green Lantern movie. Yes, not Hal. Oh, not John Garner. Stewart, really interesting. I could see that, but I'd rather it be Hal. But I, yeah, I, I could see them. You know what it is, and I don't want to like. I I think they're definitely gonna. And I don't mean this in like a negative way because like I I probably have that tone right now. I don't mean like that. I think they're just gonna they're gonna go for the diversity options is what I'm thinking. So that's yeah. why I'm thinking we either get Guy Gardner, so we have a homosexual Green Lantern, or we have yeah. John Stewart, so we have an African American Green Lantern. I think that is. Um, I mean, the other thing is too is they could do uh, what's her face, uh, Je- Jessica something, Jessica Cruz. Oh they yeah, could do a female Green Lantern, and that, that could be would a be way to like do way that. To go. And yeah, so that and be, that's a few I, I feel like That's a it's a woman. It's a Latina. It's an angle we haven't yeah. seen before with Green Lantern on the big screen. But I, but I think they probably go John Stewart. I think he's a fan favorite, and uh, I think he he just seems to be very prominent in a lot of the animation as well. Well, you so. know, and another reason I think we're both thinking about Green Lantern so much too is another bit of news is that the plug has been pulled on the Green Lantern TV series that was being developed for HBO Max. Yes. So that's Green another Lantern thing too. Four. Like if, yeah. So if you were to be like connecting dots and looking for clues about what's on the horizon, you know, Gunn's been pulling the plug on things where he's like, no, I've got a plan for that. So we're not going to, we're going to, you know, ixnay this thing. I've got intentions for that. Yeah. So with Green Lantern Corps getting the rug pulled out from under it, you know, it looks like Gunn probably has some way he's going to go with all that. So yeah. That should be very, very interesting. Um, and yes, just to, just to briefly or directly answer the question, yes, I think Ezra Miller's future in the role is pretty much, uh, it's going to be a one and done situation. That's yeah. what it's looking like. thousand percent. You know? Um, but okay. Let's see. What other ones we got here? Okay. Ashri. Our man, Ashri. Yes. He's taken the loss of Henry Cavill really tough. And uh, he sent a a follow-up email to one that I looked at last week here on the show. And he says, uh, hey, guys, first of all, let me state that I believe you can hold two thoughts about this whole DC revamping fiasco. So it sounds like he's of two minds. He says, I am both rooting for Gunn's new DCU and disappointed in the treatment of the DCEU fans. And this is the attitude I get from a lot of fellow DC fans I talk to. We are all a little pissed off. And after the last decade of promises, misses, and near hits, I believe we have a right to be. That doesn't make us toxic or trolls. Well, Ashra, you've never been one of the ones who's one of them. Yeah. 
Uh, most agree that Cavill Superman was treated badly right after Man of Steel. We loved him as Superman. And of course, Dwayne Johnson took advantage of that sentiment with horrible results, perhaps sealing Cavill's fate. See, so Ashri's, you know, he's coming to terms here. He's starting to see yes, what really yes. happened, you know. Uh, but the sentiment was there and Gunn could have recognized that somehow. I really don't believe Gunn was left with much choice. He didn't create the many problems with the DCEU, and he shouldn't be tasked with, with saving them, with solving them. I just believe that he handled this whole thing badly. He could have built a lot of goodwill with DCEU fans with a creative transition instead of posting a short message that Cavill will no longer be Superman. With Aquaman 2 said to be locked in and rumors of the Flash movie ending uh, set in stone, I don't believe a transition can be expected. But what do I know? I am curious what you think. Uh, in dissolving the DCEU and beginning the DCU, did Gunn have some missed opportunity that he should have taken? And if so, how would you do it? Do you believe that Warner Brothers will somehow end the DCEU in the upcoming Flash movie, setting up the new DCU? Or will they just begin the DCU like the DCEU never happened? Curious of your thoughts. Your fan from the garage, Ashri. So there's a lot to unpack there. Yep. There is a lot to unpack there. But... You know, one of the main things here, and this is something I, I did want to talk about last week on the show, is this question of how do we dissolve the DCEU? How do we, you know, is Gunn going to creatively find a way to have the films that have already been completed, like Shazam, The Flash, Aquaman 2? Is he going to find a way creatively to have those set up the changes that are coming? Or are those movies going to happen? And then they end, and now we just don't go back to it anymore. Now it's just, you know, just, you know, like the way it used to be. We just kind of rebooted. We're not going to address what came before. Right. Here's the new story. Um, and that's the thing. You know, it, it's hard to know, right? Because they just got this job in the last, you know, 50 or so days. And there hasn't been a ton of time for them to implement a lot of changes. But a part of me is wondering, like, are they going to try to find a way? Is there some post-credit type of scene that they can add to each of these three movies that somehow seems to be connecting some other story in the background in the periphery of these three stories and are somehow setting up the big changes that's to come or are we ignoring you know um so that's definitely a part of what Ashri was asking for but also you know when it comes to henry you know it, it sounds like he's pretty pissed that like you know, how do you just announce with a statement that he's not coming back? Couldn't they have found a way maybe of like creatively handling this or whatever? And it's like, to me, I think one of the main reasons he felt like he had to get out in front of it and just announce this now is to kind of like stop the false hope people are having that when Henry came back, it kind of it brought back the Snyderverse stuff. It brought back the you know there is baggage there 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 is history with this character, and by coming out in front of everything and saying, "No, guys, listen, this is it. This is the end of the road for that." This is his way to kind of start getting people to like let's leave those threads alone. 
Let's stop with the hashtags about Snyderverse stuff. Let's stop trying to figure out how we make sense of super uh, of Henry's continuity. Let's stop all that stuff. We're starting fresh. We're starting from scratch. You know that now you have plenty of time to get ready for that fact, you know? Because even to this day, he, he he posted a tweet earlier today with links to like charities to support for the holidays. And what would you, you know, you'll be shocked to hear this, Brett. But in the yeah. tweets and comments of this charitable tweet, there's all kinds of stuff about the Snyderverse and bring back Henry and this and that. You know, he knows that like these people are relentless. And I yeah. feel like he had to get out in front and say, it's over. You know, yeah. I'm going to tell you this now so we don't have another year, year and a half of people cooking up theories for how this is all going to connect to Snyder plans right. and this, this or that, you know. Um, so I kind of think like especially since like so much of what was going on with Henry Superman was linked to the Black Adam plans and Gunn knew probably in, immediately that he was not going to be continuing those Black Adam plans, especially with the box office rolling in that he was looking at. That was hardly a mandate for those plans. Uh, you know, it makes sense to like, since he's linked to that stuff that is not happening at all anymore, let's just let people know we're pulling the plug on the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but in terms of like how to dissolve it, like what do you think, Brent? You think he's going to try to find a way to have it like make sense and and somehow like have these movies, you know, using post credit scene things set up the reboot that's coming, or do these movies happen and then the last one ends and that's all she wrote, and then now we just start yeah. with a new set of DC stories. I've I've like wondered this like I wonder if there's a way to like put in a post credit thing to show that like you know maybe like in a wink and a nod like all of this still exists but like we're transferring to a different like like you know like more at the MCU is like Earth six one six like like if they just kind of were like okay we're gonna be at Earth three hundred now and like there's a way to kind of wink to you. That, yeah. Like, well, this still exists. It happened, but now we're going to be following the tales of Earth 300 or something. So, yeah, there's that. The other thing is, I th- honestly, I have a feeling these movies are just going to end. There's not going to be anything to say. Everything's transitioning. And I think when they come out with that new Superman film, which is, you know, presumably going to be the first of the new batch of the Gunverse, if we want to be stupid and call it that, like, I think the way they kind of differentiate that is just some kind of like branding. Um, Not like DC black label, but I think it's just like, you know, they come up with a fancy new intro kind of like how Marvel studios has that thing that goes on for like 10 hours in the beginning, uh, way too long. And it's like, and it flips all the fucking comic pages and all that dumb shit. Like they just do something like that where it's like, this is like the DCU branding and there's like this DCU intro and, and then like everything from then on has that. And there's, it's kind of like just like a branding way of saying like, this is the DCU now. And yeah. I think it's not even like something that they tell you or show you in the film. It's just yeah. the way that it's bundled and presented and packaged. I think that's what they end yeah. up doing is this. They just start packaging everything differently. Um, you know? Yeah. See, me, I wouldn't put it past them to find a way to creatively work it into these stories somehow. I think that's why there were those interesting rumors about how the Flash was not quite locked yet. And like, there's still some changes being made, especially since apparently 
<clears throat> you know, he cut out the Henry Cavill cameo. Apparently, they cut out a Gal Gadot appearance in The Flash. So clearly, yeah. things are still fluid, right? And when you I hear just don't stuff feel like, like if they were going to do that, like that, if the, if that was the thing, then they wouldn't they wouldn't be like not casting Henry and stuff like that. You know what I mean? If they well, were going to, I wonder yeah. if you know. I wouldn't be surprised if we. This is going to sound funny. What if we do see Henry one last time, but it's part of whatever so the creative transition they have in mind is. You know, for some reason, my mind started going this thing since there is this outlandish rumor that Jason Momoa really will actually transition from being Arthur Curry to being Lobo and be a totally different DC character moving forward. It made me wonder if there's like a scene at play where like we are going to watch all of the core Justice Leaguers morph into other characters. And you know what I mean? Like we see our, you know, we, we see the Aquaman become Lobo. We see Henry become Jor-El, let's say. We see like everyone kind of morphs into a different DC character as we now transition into this new sort of multiversal new story. I don't know. I could see them coming up with something, especially when you find out stuff like that falafel post-credit sequence for the Avengers was shot like five days before yeah. the movie opened in theaters. It doesn't take a ton of time to no. put together one of these 30 or 40 second post-credit scenes. So I wouldn't put it past Gunn to find some kind of way, even if it's like an equivalent of like DC's equivalent of like the Watcher. I think about that what uh, that what if series where you see he's like he has this chamber where he could look at all the different continuities, and you could do like a mysterious thing at the end of Shazam, like in the post credit, somebody's watching it like on a, you know, in some crystalline screen, there's somebody in you know the cosmos who's watching this stuff from afar and we're setting up, you know, a multiverse type of thing and whatever. I think that there will be yeah. something. I think it'd be weird if these movies just happen and they still set up what their eventual sequels were supposed to be. And then it all just ends abruptly like that i don't think yeah do i just feel like if you're gonna go to the efforts to like find some way to make the transition then like i don't know maybe you would have found a way to go through the effort to just like keep the actors in the role and make it work within whatever your new plan is it just seems like i just feel like you just fucking cut it you know i don't know i mean that is you're not alone i see a lot of that sentiment online there's people like well if you're gonna get rid of henry then you gotta get rid of everybody you know, and then they get mad because like, well, I'm sure the Suicide Squad characters are going to stick around and Margot Robbie and John right. Cena. and all So it's like, oh, how nice. John Gun James Gunn's characters are all safe, but all but the other, you know, pre-existing DCEU characters get the boot. How lovely, you know. So there's a lot of uh, pissy sort of outrage over that. And I get it. But uh, yeah, it just seems like if you're going to cut the cord, just like just cut the cord. I don't I don't know. Um, if we need to have like a transition, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, one. I, I don't know if did you have, did you have more on on this? Did you want to go to like the next uh, part of just it, in, or? in terms of like answering Ashri's question? You know, do I think Gunn missed an opportunity here that he could have taken? Uh, not really. If he if he has a pressing and urgent story that he thinks is going to reset and reshape the DCEU in as in as quick a way as possible then 
this is what he had to do. He couldn't let Henry Cavill Superman suddenly show up in other movies and kind of muddy the waters on his Superman plans. You know what I mean? If, yeah. if he really is going to tell this one story that plays out over 10 years across all these different mediums, it's got to be his one main unified story. It can't be this Man of Steel 2 thing and all of its own weird continuity quirks. You know, he kind of just, uh, you know, I, I think he had to get out in front of it and put the kibosh on that right away. So I don't think he, you know, he had yeah. the options there. Um, you know, one thing I want to I want to mention just about this, because, you know, there's definitely like all the people, uh, you know, whatever, how many people there are online, um, you know, that are saying like, you know, you're supposed to listen to what the fans want, give the fans what they want, blah, blah, blah. And I just want to think from a human level, from from a from a creative level, like we're yeah. both creatives. We've done theater. We've made things, you know, we've created stuff. Yeah. Obviously nothing on this scale, but we've done some little shit here and there like. If I'm James Gunn or anybody and I get this job and I am a huge fan of these characters and it's my fucking dream job. And if you're a fan like us or anyone who listens to this podcast, you've probably spent time imagining your how would I do story yeah. or how to do it your tale. So he doesn't fucking owe you or anybody or any fans anything. If yeah. he worked his ass off to get to a position where he can now be the head of DC Studios and he has this dream tale that he's been dreaming of, what the fuck does he owe you or anybody? Like, yeah. he should be able to make that story. Like, any of these fans, any even if these 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 you know you know sycophantic fucking Snyder fans, the sycophantic <laughs> ones, the ones that just. If you like Snyder shit, you're you're an okay person. Just it's you're not bad for liking it, but when you're harassing people and just being an asshole about it, then you're a sick fanic fan. But like, like if you really got into if you got into this position, like, would you want to be dealing with somebody else's baggage, or do you want to tell the story that you've been dreaming of telling since you were fucking six years old, reading your first like comics? Like, wouldn't you want to do that? You wouldn't want anyone holding you back or pigeonholing you into something. Yeah. So like, why do we like? Most of the time, fans too. We, listen, fans do have great ideas. We we love these characters, but a lot of the times, we really really don't know what we want. You think yeah. you know what you want, but and and you know, and how many times well, thinking big enough? And you know, and 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 really really think if if you're one of these people that is like you know so like ugh, like angry and hardcore, like calm the fuck down for a second and like really think back to seeing some of these films and some of these characters that have happened in the past over all these years, and like. You're telling me that you weren't ever like surprised or like you know like like it, you didn't have like a welcoming surprise at like how something was interpreted interpreted in a way that was different from when how you could have ever imagined like how boring if everything's just exactly the fucking way that I want it and expect it like you're telling me all this time all these batman films all these superman films all these other films like you've never been like oh wow that's like a really cool thing i i that that doesn't line up with the story i ever had in my head and dreamed of as a fan but that's cool i didn't think of that like that's yeah. what's exciting about going to the movies and being a fan not just being glued to like one person's interpretation or like just one iteration of a character like some of the best things like are bringing stuff from everywhere and think about like comics like I don't see people like I mean listen, people I'm sure bitch in comics when a new creative team's announced. Like I'm yeah. as I'm sure it happens. I'm not as wrapped up in the comic book book, you know, you know, uh like whatever world. scene. But like yeah, the world, like, but 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, isn't that like the the cool thing is like when when like someone finishes their run on a book and like a new artist and a new person come on and they get to take their spin on it. New like, life isn't, or two. That, yeah. isn't that why we get to have conversations like we had before talking about what cool Superman, like, you know, like famous Superman, yeah. young Superman story can, can he pull from? But make his own. Yeah. It's because we've had all these other artists and creatives come to it and they did something that was in their heart, not just trying to please fans and what we want. It's because they Amazing. came yeah. and they brought oh, themselves. Right. So it's like, I wouldn't, we wouldn't even have this fucking podcast. Like, none of, <laughs> no one would have podcasts if yeah. we didn't have that. So, like, sometimes people, the like, get your head out of your fuck. ass for a second and just, yeah. like really you know think about it like you know and listen i understand like you don't have to love james gunn you don't have to like his like the, his style and shit yeah. but like we shouldn't also just like pigeonhole people into stuff that they've done before like how many times have we seen artists and creatives reinvent themselves and try something yep. different and try something new like just because like like not everything he makes is guardians of the galaxy and that was like the big like even when he took over suicide squad everyone's like oh great it's just gonna be guardians of the galaxy yeah. with dc characters and it, it, wasn't. it really wasn't it wasn't yeah and you like i'm sure some people out there going yeah fuck it was fuck you brett like you know what i mean but like you're, you're wrong it wasn't <laughs> and whatever you know what i mean but at the end of the day everyone's titles their opinions yeah. but we shouldn't be we shouldn't be like creatively stifling like people or expecting them to stifle themselves for our own selfish needs Amen. Amen. Listen, there was a great TikTok I shared. This is guy, he's killing it. I got to get his name and try to do it justice. But uh, I'll try to plug it before the episode's up, which is coming soon, by the way. But there's this great TikTok where he did like the pitch meeting for like James Gunn's first day at the head of DC Studios. And uh, it's like, you know, he plays both characters. He plays James Gunn and he plays the studio representative coming to like welcome him. And uh, it's brutal because it's essentially like, hey, you know, so here's what we'd like you to do. We want you to, you know, re reboot DC and all this, yes. but this you have to keep this, keep that, retcon this, retcon that, fix this, don't reference that, da 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 da, -da. You know, like, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. it kind of recaps, like, all of these problematic bullet points of yes. the DCEU that he is currently inheriting. And it really like makes the point crystal clear as to why he needed to rethink this and look more at like a, a large scale overhaul and rethinking of what we're doing here. You know, because right now what we're doing is we're trying to like shine up a thing that is badly damaged and 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 the uh, has a reputation that doesn't make people run to the theater as soon as the next movie with DC on it comes right. out. You know, so it's like I could either try to continue Frankensteining this monster and putting new life into it, or I can build an all new monster, you know. Yes. But uh, yeah, it was very great. It all right. So, Mario. Yeah. All right. So, listen, um, there's two more questions I want to get to. Two. We have one. We have one fun one from Eugene. Yes. And then we have one final one that finally takes us away from the DC yes. MCU yeah. question from yeah. Matt, from our friend Matt. So let's start off. So Eugene, I'll, I'll, this is a fun question. I like this. So Eugene sent in, if you can choose any characters from the DC extended universe and the Marvel cinema, or I should say, or the Marvel cinematic universe to go on an adventure with you, who would it be? And why? Uh, Mario, you get to pick. 
a character from the DC pantheon or M or well, I guess he specifically says the the DC EU and MCU. So from the movie pantheon versions of these characters, okay. pick from the one movie pantheon of characters. I would totally love to have a beer and hang out with Arthur Curry. I like Jason <laughs> Momoa's Aquaman a lot. He looks like he'd be a blast. Going on a road trip with him, there'd probably be lots of trouble and he'd have to clean it all up after yeah. causing most of it. So, uh, yeah, he definitely on the DCEU and he looks like a good road trip buddy. And uh, over on the Marvel side of things, you know, I'd love to go for a drive. I mean, listen, I'd love to go for a drive with Tony Stark. He'd probably have a great car and yeah. uh, some great stories to tell. But uh, for some reason, I don't know why my mind's like, how cool would it be to go on a trip with Fat Thor? You know, with the Thor from Endgame, <laughs> I would have a blast Thor. hanging out with that. You know, like Thor, a Thor who's circling the drain and sad and weird, but still Thor. I don't know. For some reason, that 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 appeals to someone like me. Very uh, good. Yeah. Who, who are your uh, road trip buddies? And by the way, just yeah. just picture me in a car with Thor with and Aquaman. I mean, that would be pretty damn good right there, you know. So, so anyway. Yeah, I mean, if we're going MCU, Mario, I think you're gonna appreciate this. I think I'd, uh, I think I'd need to, uh, to hang out with Nakia so I could be with my girl Lupita. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> cruising on a date with Nakia and just murdering people and yeah, and yeah, you love that and Lupita, Lupita Nyong'o. Um, that's my Marvel choice. Uh, for <laughs> DC, um, I think I would. For DC, I want to hang out with uh with Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne because oh, <laughs> there's yeah, something yeah. about him <laughs> that yeah. seems very very interesting and fun to hang out with. So I would love to have a cool adventure with him, uh, and uh, and just you know be rich. Just be a rich don't let him back. put his phone near yours because then he's gonna like steal all your information. Right, then he will steal all my data. But th those are those are my picks. Yeah. Um, all right. Very nice. Yeah. Thanks for that question, Eugene. Thank you, Eugene. Um, now the next one and final one before we bring this nearly two-hour holiday edition of the Fanboy Podcast to a close. is yes. comes from Mr. Matt Guay or Matt Guay, my friend over here in New Jersey. Matt uh, sent in the following. He said, first, I just wanted to say thanks for the podcast. Every time a new episode drops, I listen as soon as I can. The addition of Brett has made it even better. That's story... very sweet and a lie, but thank you. <laughs> His story about seeing Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was absolutely hilarious. Thank yes, you. it's true. Uh, <laughs> secondly, I wanted to know if you guys are fans of Mike Flanagan and if you heard about his move from Netflix to Amazon. I absolutely love all the shows he's made on Netflix. It's some of my favorite horror content ever. The Midnight Club wasn't on that same level for me, but I still enjoyed it. I'm personally very excited for this move. I'm honestly not a fan of the binge model on Netflix anymore. I feel like I need to finish shows as soon as possible, and I don't take the time to fully digest each episode and theorize what might happen. Also, I read that Mike Flanagan wanted to make physical release for Midnight Mass, but Netflix flat out refused. Do you guys like his shows, and what do you think about the move? Thanks. So, uh, I'm, you want me to start, or do you have any Mike Flanagan thoughts? 
I have I have thoughts. You have thoughts? I have thoughts. So uh, yeah, yeah. Started started off, Brett. I uh, so yes, I uh, traditionally am not like a huge horror fan, but I did discover Mike Flanagan and all of his wonderful shows uh, recently in like the last like year or so. And um, my wife and I uh, very much enjoyed them. We watched all the uh, Haunting of uh, Bly Manor, Haunting of Hill House. Uh, there was another one, right? Um, I think were there three Haunting I think Midnight Mass no? was like the third one. Or Midnight right? Okay, so they did two. Like, yeah. So I watched those I two. Very much enjoyed them. Yeah. Um, Midnight Mass we watched about half of. There's um a thing. Uh, there's a there's a specific plot point in it that was like hit a little close to home, and I kind of just mm-hmm. like looked online to see if things were gonna go to a place. That yeah. I was wondering if they were, and then we decided maybe not to watch it just because, uh, you know, uh, just yeah. point of my life. I I'll get be it. big. Yeah. Um. So the, if if you've seen it, you might know yeah. there's like a, a thing that happens and uh whatever. So so I never <laughs> finished it, but we were enjoying it, and I think we do want to finish it. But I think just at the time, it just wasn't like something we wanted to watch. Um. And I have the Midnight Club. I've actually wanted to watch because I heard it's like an updated version, uh, uh homage to. Uh, um, are you afraid of the dark? Like the Midnight Society, oh. it's supposed to be yeah. a more adult version of that. So I haven't got to it yet, but I, I, I do want to. So to answer your question, yes, I am a Mike Flanagan fan, and uh, he's kind of like reinvigorated my like for horror films. Uh, between that and uh, James Wan with the Conjuring films, that, that those have like really brought me back into the fold, and like I actually yeah. am a little more open to them now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is a this is a crazy move. Uh, you know, switching from Netflix, which I'm sure was paying him nice money, to Amazon. I like uh, Matt that you brought up here because it's something I've been thinking about lately too. When I think when Netflix first came out and like binging became a thing, I was like into it. I was like, yeah, no, it's nice like having these seasons like come out. But like lately, so with Amazon um, in particular and with Disney Plus, just keeping the weekly release model and H- I should say HBO also because I watch most. Those are mostly where I watch my shows. Um, I-, I really think I don't like the binge model as much and i think i do like having there's something nice like he said like you know you you don't have time to fully digest them there's something about having that week to digest the episode and then like that thrill of like oh i can't wait till the next episode's out and i yeah. can watch it but when they're all right there it's just like i just watch it in like this fucking malaise and i'm like just like Ooh. Yeah. and like so it, no, it's interesting I like i, I, I definitely did like the binge there. model but i'm over it now and i like having the time for things to breathe so actually i think this is like a cool move for that respect. yeah um, well and and if you think about it too like when was the last time well i guess maybe Dahmer counts but i was gonna say like i feel like the frequency at which netflix has shows that like dominate the zeitgeist has gone down i feel like yeah the binge model thing maybe has its limitations because the shows that I find drive the biggest conversations online lately are stuff that comes from either like HBO or even uh, Disney Plus, you know, since all the Star Wars shows released episodically. Yeah. And the Marvel, Marvel shows. All the Marvel shows then, yeah. So like the conversations about these shows go on and on and on and they last for months. Uh, Netflix, it's like that first week the show drops, everyone has all the discourse on it. And now it's over because everyone yeah. swallowed those eight episodes in a couple of days. So I actually think it helps the shows too. It helps if you like if I'm a producer and I'm thinking about what you know, what can I do to keep my show 
in the conversation for the longest and creating the word of mouth and bringing more people in and all that, you know, the weekly model, I feel like it gives you that chance too to like build an audience as you get to the end of the season. So yeah, it's funny to think that like in the beginning when Netflix came out and they were the new kid in town with all of the streaming stuff, you know, binge was the big thing is TV had never yeah. really been presented like that ever. And it was like, it became an instant, like cultural thing, binge watching, binge watching. Yeah. Um, but now it'd be interesting to see now if the pendulum swings the other way and more people are starting to feel like, eh, I'm kind of good seeing a show once a week and letting it, you know, work its magic on me and all yeah. that kind of stuff. You know? I think it depends. It also probably like depends a little on the show. And also, I think, you know, definitely it depends on the show. I think it depends on like, you know, what's going on in your life currently and how much free yeah. time you have for things. Um, you know, I, I think those like def there's definitely a lot of like outside factors yeah. um, or, you know, you know, there's cer definitely certain seasons where it's like, oh, there's like five or six shows on right now that I want to watch and keep up with. And yeah. there's other seasons where it's like, oh, there's just this one show and there's nothing else I'm interested in watching. <laughs> so I think it, I think it, de it depends. Like, you know, sometimes I, I, I like if oh, it's I'm a, jealous it's a lot of, of shows. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I ever only ever had one show and there's nothing else to watch. You know, I live with constant guilt and anger and, 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 and upsetness over the fact that I have like 10 shows that I'm watching at any given time and I can never seem to catch up on all of them. <laughs> and people are always referring new stuff for me to watch, but I'm like, I can't watch that until I finish those other 10 series. You yeah. Know? But anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. You mentioned the thing about like, yeah, sometimes you have one series and there's nothing else to watch. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, my queue just keeps getting longer. No, uh, mine also I, gets I, longer too. Yeah. It just only ever grows. Brandon. My wife's also like a, kind of like, she's a little more picky with what we watch. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of things that like I want to watch, but then like, she's not want to. So then when we're yeah, together, I, I have don't the watch same them. thing. Yeah. And then it's like, well, I got to watch it now. Like when she's not home or not around or like when she goes to bed, Yeah. Uh, when she goes yeah. to bed, I'm usually gaming. So it's like, yep, I, I might have to like, here. I might have to like yep. cut out my, my gaming or uh, listen, once, once That's my baby's exactly here in a couple of months, I yeah. feel like I'll probably be gaming less and maybe like watching things in my spare yeah. time. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe things. Are uh, so, yeah, in terms of the move to Netflix, you know, I think uh, you're having the weekly release model on Amazon, move you know, Amazon, the, the, that, that, yeah, sorry, the move to Amazon. Uh, you know, I, I, I see the value in that. It makes a lot of sense, especially also if Amazon's going to give more, um, more creative leeway and more opportunities for the producers to like to release physical media and stuff like that. You know, Netflix stuff, like they keep their stuff on lockdown forever. And, uh, you know, so some of the other streamers have a little more flexibility and, uh, you know, I, I could see shows being kind of intrigued by that. Now that the new kid in town effect is no longer a thing and everyone feels like you have to be on Netflix or you're not in the conversation. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I'd expect a lot of big time creators to suddenly kind of start developing outside of Netflix and and moving beyond there. You know, um, when it comes to Flanagan in particular, uh, I don't have a huge amount of access to. I mean, I, I, not, not necessarily access. I don't have a huge amount of experience with his filmography. I think I saw that Ouija movie that he made. Uh, shows how much it left a mark on me, but the house of haunt, the haunting of Hill House, 
Yes. Uh, that one, that, the, that absolutely rocked my world. I loved The Haunting of Hill House. I thought the acting, the writing, the directing, the execution, everything about that was absolutely flawless. So imagine my surprise when The Haunting of Bly Manor came out and I was bored to tears to such a degree that we didn't even finish it. And I never do that. But we got yeah. like six or seven episodes into it. And I just couldn't get into it. I found it just way too dry and boring and it didn't, it didn't capture me. So when it comes to I Flanagan, saw that one first. Oh, so wow. My wife and I yeah. had saw Bly Manor first and wow. I, I was, I actually was fine with it because I had nothing yeah. to compare it to. So, and so then when I went back, we watched the first, like the haunting of Hill house and we were like, oh, yeah, okay, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. So in terms of Flanagan, you know, he, he definitely has some talent. I know he's even been quoted as saying he'd love to make a Superman movie. Uh, so, you know, I've definitely heard plenty about him. I have friends who respect his work. I know a lot of people are very high on him. But for me, I loved Hill House, Bored to Death by Bly Manor, and haven't really checked out the rest. So, uh, yeah, that's all I can really say about Mr. Flanagan. The trip, the, the the move to Amazon, you know, I, I suspect, especially too, like Amazon's probably doing a pretty good uh, spend on trying to get talent like Flanagan over, you know, because ever yeah. since now that they have the ring of power on their network, they're trying to be a place more for destination TV. You know, Amazon yep. Prime is trying to like beef up their originals. So yep. I could totally see them coming up to, you know, people like Flanagan, creators like that and being like, all right. What's it going to take? And uh, yeah, listen, the more, uh, you know, options open to the creatives here, you know, it's the better. If they don't have to just take whatever Netflix offers them and deal with it, uh, the more the merrier, you know, better for the market, better for the consumers, better for the creators. I'll sure. take it. But uh, everyone, I th thank you for being here for episode 173 of the Fanboy Podcast. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions and tweeted with the hashtag AskTheFanboys. Uh, we got some great questions and topics today. This was a lot of fun. I hope you all have yeah. a phenomenal holiday weekend. Those that celebrate, Merry Christmas. Uh, those who are amidst Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah. And uh, whatever else is going on, it was like a lot of different holidays this time of year. I hope you're all, yeah. you know, happy and safe and spending time with people who mean something to you and being kind to yourself and others. Yes. So um, if you have questions or topics or anything you'd like discussed on a future episode of this here show, please send your emails to the fanboy podcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show at on the Twitter at the fanboy show then there's brett who can be found at super brettcon and myself who can be found as superman on film so everybody until next week or next time or next year are we going to do one next week i think we should i mean I'm we'll get one more in before 2023 <laughs> yeah we should yeah so until next week be kind and stay fanboy adios so long. <laughs>